Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, geez, I should take gravel when I uh, watch the stock market uh, today. The Dow Jones has been up and down. It started at minus 500 and what was it, Craig? 521 points or 512 points. And then uh, today it's been going up and down. It was as down, down low as nearly 200 points, and now it's up to 82.65 points. Uh, so, wow. Something's happening in this world of ours, so we'll keep an eye on that as well. And uh, hopefully over the weekend, everything will stabilize. Who knows? Monday will be another tale to tell here in the X-Zone. X-Zone Nation, I've got a question for you. What would you do if the airplane you were on caught fire at 30,000 feet? 
scream is one thing, yes. Uh, start praying, that's another good thing. Well, my guest this hour is Jules Marasos, and uh, we're going to be talking to her about, she's written a book called Sweet Seasons of Miracles, and uh, she was uh, set to fly to her native India to speak to a group of people in Europe. Little did she realize how exciting her first flight would be. Midair above the Indian Ocean from her seat, she could see the engine on fire. And while panic ensued, she sat calmly praying for a miracle. And uh, Jules, welcome to the X-Zone. I am very glad to be here this afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting me. Now, I think I pronounced your family name wrong. It's Masaros, am I right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Got it right on the second shot. Um, I, I don't know what I would do if I was at 30,000 feet and I saw... Uh, you know, fire coming out of an engine. Um, you know, your first flight, why did you just stay calm? You know, wasn't there any inclination to panic? Um, I think I did panic, but at the same time, when I looked around, everybody mm -hmm. else was just sitting there, and I thought, well, this is not going to help if I scream and I shout. So, right? so what inspired you to write your book, Sweet Seasons of Miracles? Uh, when I first started to work on the street with uh, with kids, mm -hmm. I knew that it was my calling and it really wasn't a pretty experience. Um, I did not have access to any guidelines or a handbook and I had to learn everything as I went along and build up that organization. And I was wanting to write a book that would enable someone in my situation um, to be able to just pick up and go and do the things they are called to do. And this was kind of a book just bringing encouragement. What is your calling? Uh, I think my calling is to just tidy up the world a little bit wherever I can and uh, helping, helping little kids and mm -hmm. bringing hope to people. Well, you certainly have your, uh, your job cut out for you because the world as I see it is in quite a bit of a turmoil these days. Not only are we looking at a financial crisis in North America, the, uh, the European markets are, are taking a, a kicking because of the euro. Italy is in a grave financial situation. We have unrest and war in the Middle East. We have civil uprisings. What's going on? Oh, well, I think... Uh at least that's what the Bible says, it's closer to the end of the world. <laughs> mm. And uh, there's so much of hopelessness and fear everywhere. Uh, like you said, be it from the money market yeah. to just the regular thing of walking on the streets and being shot or killed, uh, just the violence around the world. All right, Jules, stand by. You and I have to take our first two-minute commercial break. Exonation. Jules Masaros is our special guest. I'm going to try that again. Masaros, there, I did it right, is he our did. special guest. And her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. And she's the author of Sweet Seasons of Miracle. It is her first book. And, uh, you know, we need positive thinking, positive reinforcement. We need to look at a brighter side of life. And we need people like Jules who, will, who are willing to help make that difference happen. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. Goes on, the beat 
goes on. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hey there. Ever wonder what authors and writers think and talk about? Well, I can let you know. I am one. Hey, I'm Hollis Joe McCullum, and I have a podcast called I Do What I Want, and it is all about my writing journey as well as the writing journey with other authors and book stuff in general. Check me out on Spotify and on my channel on YouTube. Thanks so much. All right, that's it, Exonation. We can put a man on the moon. We can find out that there may have been water on Mars, and we can't find anything to, to help with the allergies of the season. Oh, heavens to Betsy. We're talking to Jill Masaros about her book. It's her first book, and uh, she is the founder and director of Bridge Vision International, a nonprofit for women and children, and founder and CEO of First Impressions Coaching. And uh, she's also the author of a brand new book. It's her first book entitled Sweet Seasons of Miracles. Uh, Jules, uh, where did you get the title of your book from? Um, well, I think it came from deep down within my heart because there's too much of emphasis on hopelessness and fear mm -hmm. everywhere around the world, be it in the news or in any form of media. And um, as my whole life and my goal and my mission is to bring hope, um, and every, I believe that every season, every, every life has its own season. And we got to find the sweetness and the miracles in each season to make life more bearable. And I think that's where the title comes from. Um, is anything in your book based on real life experiences or is it purely all fiction? Uh, 
the whole book is just based on real life stories. Hmm. Can you share a few of those stories with us? Um, yeah, I think one that really stands out um, is a story of a little boy who I found abandoned on the railway station. He must have been about seven or eight and just sitting there on New Year's Eve. And uh, I normally the kids of that age are out there just begging or doing some kind of, you know, selling some stuff on the trains. Mm -hmm. And it was unusual to see that little kid sitting all by himself wrapped in a shawl. And um, I went up and started to talk with him and just big tears rolled down his cheeks. And I asked him what the matter was. I put my arms around him and he picked his picked the sheet up and he showed me a big gaping wound that he had on his thigh. And uh, my heart just melted. But uh, that was the beginning of it. And then um, the whole story goes this way that this little boy adopted me, actually, made me his mom and uh, took him home and um, gave him a whole new life. But he brought so much of joy and so much of cheer. And uh, he was the reason that um, I started a boy's home in India. Wow. So. Who inspires you to engage in community in the community and the work that you do? Um, I must uh, give all that uh, all that is due to God. I think uh, God found me, and um, my whole source for living and doing what I do is Him. Now, did you start your work, your uh, crusade in in India, and you've brought it over here to the United States? Uh, yes, actually, I grew up in a real small suburb in the city of Bombay and uh, seen a lot of kids. Uh, as I was growing up, I seen a lot of poor kids. And um, I started out working on the streets, uh, helping little kids, uh, setting up uh, medical aid, food programs, school. And uh, I came over here about 11 years ago to the States and started a feeding program for the homeless. Have you ever felt that you've been in danger in the type of work that you do, working on the streets, working with strangers? Uh, where do you get your courage from? <laughs> um, I think from the same uh, one being who inspires mm. me to do the work is God. And uh, I have never been afraid. Rob, I've never been afraid. I think people are people everywhere. And it's the way you treat them. Or when you treat them as equals and you just love on them, nobody wants to hurt you. Um, and I have just constantly seen that. I've just seen people just loving me back, never have feared that. Why do you think there's so many homeless uh, people in the United States, a country that is supposed to be the most, pro uh, most prosperous in the world, and yet there's so many homeless, so many hungry, so many unemployed? Uh, well, I think it's just the way the system is set up, and um, I wish more people would reach out to those who are poor and on the other side. Um, and it's not difficult to do. We don't have to see so many poor people out there. If you just reached out to people in our own city, in our mm -hmm. backyards, I think it would be such a make such a big difference. I think that people have to realize that it is a real issue, that it's not going to go away. They, you can put your head in the sand as long as you want, but when you pull that head up to get some fresh air, the problem is still there. And it seems that in today's society, more people want to be part of the problem than part of the solution. Um, I agree. I was kind of uh, really surprised. I was driving with this lady and uh, 
we started talking and uh, she said to me when I was telling her about stuff in Washington where I seen the homeless and she said there are poor people that eat out of the garbage bin and I'm thinking like which world are you living in you're an American you should have seen this sometime and so like you said sometimes it's just people with their heads in the sand like an ostrich and yeah what do you think people can do to change this I don't mean well, everybody can go to a food bank. Everyone can dip a little deeper into their pockets and help out if they if they have used clothes or if they if there's some way you can help, just do it. But how can we, as as a group of citizens, make changes that will help these these unfortunate people, especially in these very trying times? Um. Well, like you said in the beginning, uh, you just said that that's not how, that's how you said it. You said, I don't mean like going to a soup kitchen or mm-hmm. taking clothes. But I think that's that's how it has to be. Isn't that how that's part of uh, helping out somebody is being involved in some kind of project? Because I don't know that many people would feel safe doing it on their own. Uh, just being out on the streets and helping other people. So it seems a safer environment to be involved in a group that is already doing it. And uh, especially in the Northwest or even in the Midwest, uh, clothes are so important in winter. And go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, like, wh- how do the people who are, who are homeless, who are on the street, how do they try and help themselves? Because a lot of people believe that they don't want to make a change in their lives because people... They first of all they've given up on society because they believe society has given up on them. Right. You know, so so where do we how do we change things around? How do we get them back on track so that you know, you know, you you can help a person but the person has to help themselves. Um I think it's really revamping the whole uh, system because I have seen people that do want to help themselves but it's a, such a vicious circle that if you're out being homeless you can't apply for a job mm-hmm. uh, you got to have an address and if you don't have an address you can't get a job so you don't have a job so you don't have an address and it's just a vicious circle and uh, like for example there was this young boy who came into one of our programs and he was we talked with him and prayed with him and he came back a few months later and said the day that he came there he was going contemplating suicide but just being with us made him change his mind and he went on to f- live with somebody and went on to you know go to college and uh, when i met him he was applying for to an engineering college mm-hmm. and so the system is really not geared towards helping so somewhere there has to be a change that can come around. A lot of these homeless people do want a change in their lifestyle. They are not all there by choice, but some things have happened and either it's a sickness or maybe somebody died that was, you know, a f- owning member in the family. Um, just bad things that happen. How much does crime and drugs, prostitution uh, play into the entire scenario? It, you know, does does society have some right or some justification in the way they feel? Um, I think not. I think it's uh, sometimes when the people that are involved, you know, the, in, in that strata of society mm-hmm. where they are homeless, yeah. uh, we do see a lot of crime and we want to quickly say it's only there, but I don't think that's true. Uh, there are other sections of the economic, you know, strata where there's equal amount of crime. So Mm -hmm. according to me, it's not just them. We see it more because it's it's outside. 
Are these crimes of necessity then? Are they committing the crime because they need to eat and they need to sleep, or is it a crime because they need more drugs? Uh, I, I think when it goes to drugs, it goes back from the fact that they have low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they were thrown out, maybe things happen and they're into drugs, and then it's a vicious circle all over again. So sometimes it is out of necessity, and uh, sometimes I think it's just uh, depraved minds you know, that do things that they do, and it doesn't matter which strata of society that is. Yeah. You know, with all the empty buildings that are around, you think the government would open up a lot of these these uh, office buildings and turn them into hostels, temporary, I mean temporary homes for the homeless so that they can actually get their feet back on the ground. Um, has Are there organizations and lobby groups that are going after the government to, to suggest the changes that are needed to help these people? Uh, I think, but it, to a very small degree, I haven't heard, you know, big, big talks about mm -hmm. it. And uh, personally, I think if a lot of churches, this is my message, I think if a lot of churches everywhere would just begin to open up their church buildings, especially during the winter, and help out the people I have seen and known people that have died out due to the cold, Ooh. That would be such a start if they just opened those buildings up during the winter and help them to come and give them something warm and help them to get on their feet. I think that'll be, uh, that'll be a big start. All right, stand by, uh, Jules. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, we're talking to Jules Massaro. She is the author of Sweet Seasons of Miracles. And her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. That's www.sweetseasonofmiracles.com. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. On September the 5th, the... Special edition of the X Chronicles coming out. We're going to be putting it free online. It's a tribute to the 10th anniversary of 911. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone, and we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Jill, uh, Jules Massaro is our special guest. She is the author of Sweet Seasons of Miracles. Her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. Um, you know, Jules, you've traveled around the world. What is the one common thread you see across continents when you're working amongst the poor? I think I could safely say that uh, people everywhere are susceptible to pure love. Uh, people always respond to kindness mm-hmm. and love. doesn't matter which continent you're in, what color of skin, what strata of society. So John Lennon was right. All you need is love. Um, Definitely. Let me just let me just take you back for a few minutes. We uh, we talked about the churches, and and you know you said how, especially in the wintertime, the churches should keep their doors open to take care of those who are who are less fortunate. Wouldn't it be more beneficial if the churches sold off all the property that they have and actually gave this money to the poor, to the hungry, to the sick, instead of amassing the mass fortune that it does have? What is it? The, the archdiocese in, uh, in uh, Boston has, uh, you know, has clear in one bank account over $87 million. Um, how are we going to, I think, I think all around we see that kind of thing where people or organizations and religious institutions mm-hmm. just hoard stuff for themselves. And uh, my favorite saying is there's no U-Haul truck uh, behind a coffin. Mm, that's true. And, you can't take it with you. Uh, you can. And so it would be so much uh, be nicer and uh, helpful to those that are struggling mm-hmm. if people would begin to have a shift, even like huge ornate church buildings. We don't need those kind of things. You can have a simple church building and... Uh, channel the funds and the monies that come in right. uh, towards bettering the lives of children, women, men. The whole society would take a different turn. And it's not just the economy, not something that, you know, those that are in government can do. It's people in general that can begin to have a different viewpoint and uh, begin to care for those uh, that are within their arm's length. How do you find love and beauty just around, just about everywhere where you are? Do you go looking for it or does it go looking for you? I think it's mutual. (laughs) Uh, I think if you begin to see Mm -hmm. every person that I I look at, I always believe that they're people of destiny. Right. It doesn't doesn't matter to me what clothes they're wearing and Mm -hmm. how poor or rich they are. Sometimes you can be very rich and have a poverty of the soul that is beyond description. And uh, you can be very poor, but still be so rich in the things of life, you know. We should just start looking at people as if they're people. And why, why do you think society puts this, this, the, this, this different class and category of people instead of just putting everybody on the same equal playing ground? Uh, I think a lot of mindset is uh, handed down from, uh, you know, I don't want to blame the media, but sure. media, your school, mm-hmm. uh, the way sometimes parents say things to us. Uh, we think everything that is ugly is bad. Uh, Cinderella had to be pretty. Uh, there's all those mindsets that have been handed down to us over the generations uh, that whenever we see something that's not clean or people that are not well-kempt, 
then uh, we begin to associate that with bad. And we got to look beyond that, past that, and say, no, right in there is a person that is longing to be loved, that is longing to uh, someone that you can give them that kind of um, worth mm-hmm. by just loving them for who they are. In your travels around the world, where would you say that it's the poorest of the poor? Um, the poorest of the poor, Rob, are those that cannot see another person's need. He can be driving mm-hmm. a fantastic, fabulous, you know, million-dollar car. But if he cannot see the poor that are within his arm's length, then that is the poorest of the poor person that I have come across. Hey, I love that. That is so true. Domestic abuse, Jules, is, is very common in India. And what facet did you see of that with the homeless on the streets? Um, domestic abuse uh, in India and so many places around the world is not really limited to the streets. Uh, but the only thing is that there you see it right down, you know, in the open. Mm-hmm. And there's not a thing you can do. I have seen mothers of children that have worked with being beaten and uh, nobody bothers to help or interfere because, quote, unquote, it's a family affair. And uh, at present, I'm writing a book on this issue, which is uh, something that happens not only in India, around the world, happened to me in my previous marriage. And uh, like uh, countless other women, you know, I've experienced that problem and it's a worldwide problem. And I'm through the book hoping that uh, I can throw light on that and it can help someone in a similar situation. Exonation, we're talking to a very interesting young lady. Her name is Jules Massaro. She is the author of Sweet Seasons of Miracles. It is her first book. Her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. Apparently, there's a series of coincidences that turned an impromptu gift to the hungry into a fully staffed soup kitchen, and I was wondering if you could share that with us. Oh, well, what happened was... um I was out on the streets and uh, as usual, my heart goes out to people that are homeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I felt led to start a feeding program in the park. Um, so we just started, you know, I just made an announcement and everybody came up there and um, uh, I told them next Monday, I'm going to bring some snacks and start a feeding program here. And I had lots of the homeless people, about 20, 30 people show up and uh, started a feeding program. Right there in the park, um, I didn't know how to make um, hot dogs or much about hamburgers, Mm -hmm. but got that together. And a few months after that, uh, a local pastor invited me to come into his church and um, use his basement. Wow. So if, if people in towns and villages and cities across Canada and the rest of the world want to get involved and, and, you know, become part of the solution to this massive and growing problem. How would they go about it? Um, I think uh, since most people are apprehensive about doing things on their own, like I said before, Mm -hmm. uh, it might be good to see what they really feel like doing, whether being involved ministering with kids or with adults, and then uh, network themselves into such organizations and work with them, learn the stuff, uh, so in case they want to branch out on their own and create another 
you know, another module like that, it'd be easier for them. They have the backup support of this organization and uh, of like-minded people, and then easy to just uh, follow the role model that they have. What are some of the major differences that you have found working with the poor and the hungry in India compared to the poor and the hungry in the United States? <laughs> uh, well, I think the first thing, poor and hungry are poor and hungry anywhere in the world. <laughs> are there different expectations? Um, not really. I think everybody, when you're very hungry, all you're looking for is a meal. Mm -hmm. um, I've had uh, I've talked to a guy in the States, in Washington, and uh, he was eating, and he said, what made you do this? And I told him my story briefly, and he just wept, and he said, you know, Jules, I haven't eaten in three days, and this is the first meal I'm eating in three days. Wow. And that's in the United States. <laughs> well, there was a statistic that just came out today that one in seven people in the United States today, and we're talking, what's the date today, August the 5th, 2011, are on food stamps. One in seven. And also, Rob, so many that don't have food stamps and are just lost in the numbers. Something is drastically wrong. What can, you know, what do you think the solution is, uh, Jules? You know, you've got your finger right on the pulse of this problem. You've been working it for a number of years. You're writing about it. You're, you're doing everything you can, not only to, to feed the hungry, but to bring this problem to the, you know, to the awareness uh, of the population, Where's the problem? Is it with government? Is it with corporation? All right, the media, we touched on the media before, and yes, the media is very strong when it comes to, to uh, the way that we think and the way that we respond to certain things. So, but where do you think the problem is? Um, I think, uh, Rob, the problem is with an individual, with each one of us. I think we have to get up, look in the mirror, mm -hmm. and think about why we are here. Because if each person awakens to the fact that he or she is put in the world uh, not just to think about themselves but to make the world a better place then it'll begin to take a form of you know corporate entities where they'd say okay four of us can get together and bring this change then th those four can get together and say 20 of us can bring this change right. and uh, i think it's an individual thing it has to start from there uh, everyone has to be aware of the fact that it's not just about i me and myself I'm not here to, like my teacher used to say, you're not in school to warm a bench. Yeah. So I'm not upon this, you know, put upon the face of the earth just to warm the bench and to see how I can best look after myself. How has your work affected you spiritually? Uh, first and foremost, I think I'm really thankful for um, that God has given me this opportunity, a madcap like me who will do crazy stuff and uh, who doesn't have a bazillion dollars in her pocket mm -hmm. uh, and trust me with this kind of work. And I think I'm just eternally grateful. Um, that's all I can say. I'm just so thankful every day that I wake up that I have this potential, just have the body to work and to be able to do things. The, um, pe the people that you help, does, does the help that you and the love that you show them, does it, does it, help them find their their path back to religion does it help them spiritually as well as physically um i think it does and my whole belief even as a christian is i'm not out there to convert mm -hmm. anybody i just share my love and uh, then people are on their own 
sorry about the noise. No problem. And then people are on their own to go forth uh, and to want what I have, you know, mm-hmm. um, to to pass on that love to other people. How do you... I, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to the passion in your voice, the love in your voice, the understanding in your voice. To me, you're a very compassionate person how do you how do you cope with the troubles the stories the scenes that you must see when dealing with these people the children you know how do you deal with this oh initially rob i used to get a lot of nightmares when i first started working out on the streets mm-hmm. and uh, i think i sat down one day and came to the realization that this can overwhelm me into being inactive the whole thing. I've seen such pain, such misery, such horrible things that shouldn't happen to kids and to women and men. And uh, I had to stop and say to myself, okay, I can't change the whole world, but anybody that is within my arm's length that I can touch, I can help to bring some change. And it need not be, I can provide education to everybody, can provide food for everyone. But the simple thing is, if I can love just by hugging, just with what I have, speaking a kind word. And I think that's what kept me going, is, is I can do something to change the world, just a little bit. I would imagine that there are many times in the lives of those who are so unfortunate that they believe that they're unlovable and that a simple hug, a simple hello, a smile from a stranger can mean the world to them. <laughs> um. Yes, can I share a short story? Please do. So one time in in India, I was sitting with all these kids and you have to understand that these kids never have a chance to take a shower for months on end. Oh, heavens. They they don't have access to water. Mm -hmm. And so they were sitting, they sit on my lap and they're all around me and, you know, it's like a big party time because we are all together doing some schoolwork and coloring. Sure. And uh, some some of these kids will use the sleeve of my dress to wipe their nose. <laughs> and uh, they have scabies and tuberculosis. Oh, this one man was watching me, and after this thing was over, he he pulled me aside and he said, "Tell me something." He says, "How can you do this?" And I said, "What? Oh, we just bring the pencils and you know we write this, mm-hmm. we do the stories and stuff, you know, coloring." And he said, "No, no. How do you have that kid sit on your lap and let her wipe her nose on your sleeve?" And I said, you know, that's, that's how God loves me. I am so impoverished in my soul. I'm such a, you know, as the Christian belief is, I'm a sinner. Right. But God, God cares enough to love me. Jesus loved me. And I said, that's what I'm doing, just loving them back. What a lady. Exo Nation, our guest this hour is Jules Massaro, and we have to take our final break for this hour. She is the founder and director of Brid Vision International, a nonprofit for women and children, and she's the founder and CEO of First Impressions Coaching. Her first book that we're talking about this very hour, Exo Nation, Sweet Seasons of Miracles. Her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. My name is Rob McConnell. Jules and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. All you need is love. And uh, thankfully, there are people like my guest this hour, Jules Massaro, who's out there. She's making a difference one heart at a time. Her website is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. Her first book, Exxon Nation, Sweet Seasons of Miracles. It's available at fine bookstores everywhere, online, as well as at your local bookstore. Jules, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure to to talk to you. And, you know, whatever you do, please keep up the great work. And, and, and if people want to get on board and help you listening around the world tonight, how can they do that, Jules? Oh, well, I think the best way would be to go to my website. And uh, there is a contact information. Mm-hmm. They can get in touch with me. And once again, the website for Jules Exonation is www.sweetseasonsofmiracles.com. Now, when do you expect your next book out, Jules? Uh, I'm hoping it'll be in early 2012. Speaking about 2012, what you know, there's a lot of people who are saying it's the end of the Mayan calendar, it's the end of the world, it's the beginning of the Book of Revelations, it's going to be the apocalypse. What do you believe? December the 21st, 2012 means? <laughs> I think uh, December 1st, did you say? December 21st, yeah. Uh, is Would mean the same as the 5th of August, 2011? <laughs> is just keep doing what you're doing. Do the right thing and uh, just keep loving people and uh, you can't be wrong. So poof, if anything happens, you're gone to the other side. Uh, it's all good to go. That's right. It certainly is. Jules, as I said before, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the X-Zone. And we look forward to the next time when you join us and you can tell us about how people around the world are helping to help ourselves. Because after all, we're all sharing this one little planet together. Yes, we are. There's only uh, one thing that should be going around and that is love. Jules, take care of yourself and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me. Appreciate it a lot. Take care of yourself. Exo Nation, our guest this hour has been Jewel Massaro. She is the author of Sweet Seasons of Miracles, and uh, she is the founder, director of the Bridge Vision International, a nonprofit for women and children, and founder and CEO of First Impressions Coaching. 
Jewels uh, was a family consultant at North Seattle's Community College Program, Center for Successful Entrepreneurs, and on the advisory board of Northwest Women's Business Center. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues. We're right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Hey, to see some fantastic videos, www.youtube.com forward slash TV. I'll be back after the break. Don't go away. <music> <music> 